the Gospel of John chapter 9, and we will begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is the day the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of, uh, of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go wash, go, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Father, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you, God, for your presence that is here, Lord. And we thank you for the wonderful reminders of the magnitude of your unfailing love, God, towards us. Lord, this morning, we just humble our hearts before your presence and we pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal unto us your heart for us, your people. And I pray above everything else, Lord God, that you give us not only ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to your church, but that you give us hearts to respond in faith and obedience to the truth that we'll hear today. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. If you need an outline, keep your hand up really quickly. Um, Very important that you have the outlines because you can take notes, you can follow along in the um, preaching and you can also utilize this and we're coming to the end of the summer and so we I've been talking to you from the beginning of the summer encouraging you to have some conversations with people based on what you're learning on Sundays on Saturday yesterday I had the privilege to go to the kids dome thank you Um, they they had they had a thank you time um, that minister Rob and sister Anna put together for their leaders It was a beautiful time in the Lord and as, as sister Anna was sharing last night she was talking about you know her experience at work and how she was coming to work and she was just wanting to tell people about what she was hearing on Sundays and what she was hearing on Wednesdays and that created a hunger within the hearts of certain co-workers and so the reason why I share this is because it is very important for us to be sure that hey man if you're really excited about Jesus don't contain it amen if you're excited about what God is speaking to your life, then, you know, share that with other people. Let your enthusiasm come through. And obviously, the second reason why it's important that you have these outlines is not so you can just take notes, not just that way you can have a piece of conversation, but it is in preparation for us to go back to our Connect, which will be starting up in a few weeks, or we'll have a little bit of discussion based on the sermon. We have some other things that we're going to be doing as well, but I seriously and sincerely encourage you, if you're not part of a Connect Life group, stay after church today because we are having a little get-together, and you'll get to know what Connect is all about. Amen? 
And so I don't see any more hands up, so I think that we have the outline. So if you follow along with me in the outline, we'll go and we'll jump right into this. Here we find Jesus applying what we called earlier in our study of the, of the Gospel of John, the miracle message technique. And so one of the examples that we gave earlier on was when Jesus, um, when, when he fed the when he fed the 5,000, right after that, he communicates what? He communicates that he is the bread of life. And so he was using this miracle in order to what? In order to communicate a truth. And so Jesus, who never changes in your outline here, will always manifest miracles to bring forth a message or, as we see in Acts, to confirm the word of God as authentic and his messengers as sent. And so I don't want you to misunderstand what I wrote there. I want you to be clear. I don't mean that God is always going to manifest miracles because that is not always going to happen. Read your Bible and you will find that he doesn't always do that. God moves miraculously as he wills to. God speaks to us as he wills to. He does things. I can't make God do something. Amen, somebody? No matter how much I pray, no matter how much I fast, no matter how much I do whatever, God is not going to move because of me. God is going to move because of him. But what we do need to understand is that we do serve a God who works miracles today. Amen, somebody? It's important for us to realize when God moves miraculously, when God does things, he is doing it with a purpose. It is to communicate a message. It is to reveal his sovereignty. It is to reveal his power. It's not just to just to display something for display sake. See, I think that that's part of the problem with many people today. They want God to just move just to display something. Hello. It's not about confirming his word, but the Bible teaches in the book of Acts that what? That God was with those apostles, with his disciples, confirming his word with signs and wonders. And so God communicates and shows us his power and confirms his word through these miraculous things. And here we see Jesus doing the same thing again. He's going to communicate and show us some stuff. And so second paragraph here, this narrative shows us that Jesus is the light who alone is able to open blinded eyes, be they spiritually blind or physically blind and that the same light now listen to this the same light that can illuminate for life can also blind to death are you hearing me remember when I was a child and I, and I don't know I don't know how many of y'all did this let's just do a little poll here real quick how many of y'all knew you shouldn't look at the sun someone told you you shouldn't look at the sun raise your hand real quick now put your hands down how many of you would try to look at the sun we're crazy I don't know what's wrong with us man we're just rebellious right like don't look at the sun because you're going to go blind. And we're all like, oh, I want to look. Can I look at the sun? Like, why? Like, why are we trying to blind ourselves, right? But ultimately, the point is, the sun is a good thing. Would somebody say amen to that? I know some of y'all feel bad. Like, this morning, you know, my house is nice and cool. I open up the back door to let my dog out. And I was like, man, I live in Florida. Glory to God. Like, you know, we love the sun in some moments, not the humidity necessarily, but ultimately the point is, right, the sun is a good thing, right? It's something that illuminates us. It's something that, you know, we want unless you're trying to sleep in and you can't figure out a way to block out all that light, right? I'm just saying. But the sun is a good thing. But at the same time, we realize that the sun has the potency and the ability to do what? To blind us. If we stare at it, if we, if we look at it, if, if, we're not, if we're not protected when we're looking at it, then what happens is we can experience blindness as a result of that. And it's the same thing with the light of the gospel. It's the same thing with the light of who Jesus is. We see here this blind man that is there, Jesus declaring that he is the light, right? He's showing them that he is the light. He opens this guy's eyes. He's able to do that. And yet we see these Pharisees that are being blinded by that same light. We see the religious leaders that are being blinded. The same light that is illuminating one person's life is blinding someone else's life. And it all has to do with the disposition of the heart. Third paragraph here, as we look at the details in this historical account, we must recognize Jesus is the cure for our blindness. And I said our blindness. Say our blindness. 
No one in here does not have some kind of blindness. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Sometimes Jesus' cure brings controversy. And that whenever Jesus is at work, our confession should remain firm and even become stronger. And so realizing this, I want to say this, this is the big idea. It's real easy to remember, so just listen and then you can write it down. We all have blind spots that we must allow Jesus to deal with. That was short and easy, wasn't it? We all have blind spots that we must allow Jesus to deal with. That's the title of the message this morning is <clears throat> Blind Spots, because all of us have blind spots. And I thought about this for a moment, and I said, man, I wonder, you know, I, and let, let, me just say, let me just preface this with saying, I, wouldn't, I, I, do, I do not want to ever be blind. Are you hearing me? It's, it's, I'm not saying that I, I even take light, that reality. Um, but if I had a choice, right, to be like blind completely or partially blind, for the sake of safety, I think part of me might want to be completely blind. You want to know why? Because I would probably be more careful because I knew I couldn't see. See, if I was partially blind, what I would do is I would start to think, man, you know, I might be able to get away with this and I may take chances that I probably shouldn't take. Are you hearing me? You see, and I, you know, I, I, I'll just, I'll just um, you know, piggyback on my brother Rob. He and I seem to have, we never even talked about this, but we seem to have, like, I don't know if this is his favorite movie, but, you know, Rocky is like my hero, right? I mean, I have the whole, like, all the, all the DVDs, um, except the last one, Rocky Balboa. So if anybody wants to give me a gift, you know, just hook a brother up. Um, but, you know, my wife bought me the, what is it, Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, or whatever. So I have all of them, and I sit there, and my, my daughter and I, we haven't done it in a while, but, you know, we just sit down, and I mean, I would just watch. I just sit there and be like, babe, summertime we're going to watch Rocky. We're going to have like an all-night Rocky-thon, right? And for those of you that have seen Rocky, you remember after he fought Apollo, right? And, and I, I, think it's, I, I think it might be in Rocky too. But after he fought Apollo, you know, Apollo was talking smack, trying to get Rocky to get back in the ring, right? And so, you know, Rocky's listening and, you know, he gets all upset and he goes to see, you know, Mick, right? He's like, goes up there. He's like, hey, you know, I want you to train me for this fight. And Mick is like, you can't fight anymore. And if you remember, Apollo was wearing Rocky's face out, Right, and, and Rocky was like left-handed, right? He's a southpaw, so he was just getting hit. And Rocky comes out, he's looking all messed up. The problem was there was a lot of um, issues that happened, and there was some detachment, retina, like it was a crazy scenario. And so you remember Mick, right? He's standing there, and he's like, you want me to train you? You want me to train you? And he's like, pop, and he smacked him in the face, and he's like, you can't see anything. He's like, if an old man like me, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, right? <laughs> he's like, if an old guy like me can hit you, you know, then what do you think Apollo Creed is? He's going to crush your face. Here's the thing. My point is Rocky thought he could see well enough to deal with something that, was, that could have, right? And then Mick got mad and trained him, and he beat Apollo. Yay, Rocky, right? <laughs> Taught him how to fight with his right hand. But anyway, the point is, the point is that when we look at that scenario, it shows us how some of us are, right? We all have these blind spots. And, and, and we think many times that we can just live our life however it is that we want to live and we're going to be okay and we don't ever have to pay attention to those blind spots in our lives. We live like, you know, it's all good, like I'm okay here, but there's areas in our lives, and you know what, here's the thing, just like Mick, right, there's sometimes there's other people in your life that see those blind spots and are trying to tell you and you don't want to hear it, hello. Like this morning, you're like, I don't want to hear it, but listen, you're going to hear it because I got your attention, glory to God. I got you right here for a, little, for a few more minutes, and, I, and, and I'm hoping that we'll all look at the blind spots in our lives and we'll consider them. So the first thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus is the cure to every blind spot. 
Jesus is the cure to every blind spot. He is the cure to every blind spot that we have, any, any blind spot that we have in our life. Now, the first thing I want to point out to you, because I didn't notice this, and I, and I, I was pretty, you know, I was, I was pretty taken by this as I was studying the scriptures, but until Jesus' time, there is no biblical record of the blind being healed. Think about this for a moment. All of the Old Testament miracles that we see, think about it, you know, run through your mental Rolodex. I had to research this a couple times to make sure. I think I'm right. If I'm wrong, someone can come and correct me. But what I, have what I saw was that there were no healings of blind eyes from the Old Testament up until Jesus' time. And even after Jesus' time, there was only one time that I saw in the New Testament where there was a healing that took place. And what it was is it was when Paul, you remember Saul, he got knocked off his high horse. He's on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that he was blinded for his, for his, for his period of time. And then God speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias, go pray for him. When Ananias prays for Paul, these scales fall, fell off of his eyes. But there's only two times that we see this other than Jesus' ministry. The reason why this is so important is because the title of this series of messages is what? The real Jesus. And we're talking about who Jesus is. And when we're looking at this, the reason why this is so important is because one of the marks of the Messiah was blinded eyes being open. Are you hearing me? And so the reason why I believe that there were no miracles of eyes being open before, right, before this time, as far as in the Old Testament, the reason is because what? Because God is pointing to who? This Messiah that's coming. The one that is going to open blinded eyes. And, I want, and he wanted to make clear and make it emphatic that up until this point, there was no one you could confuse as being the one that's opening blinded eyes. Are you here? And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he is, he, is, he is bringing healing, you know, to this person. And I think, I'm not totally sure on this one, but I think that Jesus probably healed more blinded eyes than any other thing that you see as far as different sicknesses that he dealt with within the, in the ministry. Now, y'all can test that one out. I'm not sure. I'm not giving you a guaranteed stamp on that. But here's the deal. Jesus opens these blinded eyes, showing us that he is, and not just showing us, but he's making it clear to them that he is the Messiah. He is the one that they've been waiting for, the one that is able to open up blinded Eyes. And as we look at the disciples' question, the, the disciples ask this question in the verses that we already read. The disciples asked Jesus, look at verse 2. It says, and the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so if you write this note, if you're taking notes there, you should be able to. Acts cha I mean, Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7 is where the Bible talks about God visiting the iniquities, right, of the fathers on their children. And so this is a misinterpretation of that particular text because they're thinking this is, what, this is what the mindset was of all the people in those days. It was what? It was that if you were born with a sickness or you were born with some kind of ailment, if there was some kind of issue in your life that came from birth, that was God visiting you. That was because somebody had to sin. Either you sinned or your parents sinned. And Jesus said it's none of the above. So here's the thing that I want you to realize, church, is that every, every single kind of suffering that we experience in our days, it is all the product of sin. But it is not directly a product of sin. In other words, a lot of times we seem to think that because someone gets sick, right, and they die, automatically they had to have some kind of gross sin in their life that no one knows about and God is judging them. Are you hearing me? That's the wrong mindset because that's not necessarily true. Listen, I know some people that I think were pretty godly, pretty holy, you know, walking with the Lord. Nobody is perfect, amen, somebody. But people that have sought Jesus and they've died with sickness. 
They've died because of disease in their life. And so it's not always that, but the reason for that sickness is not because of their personal sin, it's because of general sin. But can I tell you something? Jesus answers them and tells them something. It is neither because of their sin, it is so that way the works of God can be manifested, so God can be glorified. And so whenever someone is experiencing something, it is important that we do what? It is important that we realize that God is going to be glorified even in the midst of suffering. Are you here? Even in the midst of situations that seem unfair, in the midst of situations that are messed up, God is going to be glorified. And for us as his children, it's important for us to believe that he is going to be glorified, especially, especially when it is us that is going through hardship. Are you here? Because when I live a life believing that God is going to be glorified, when I live a life believing that way, you know what I do? I live differently than if I'm like, well, I don't know, this is happening to me because or whatever. I live from a place of faith. I live from a place trusting God and knowing that all things work together. Not some things, all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and all the called according to his purpose. And so obviously that scripture hadn't been written, but Jesus points out to them that there was something that was going on. But I want, I want you to notice something here. We'll, we'll continue on reading here. Let's, let's jump down really quickly to verse 6. It says, and when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the, with, with, with the saliva. Can I tell you something? Don't be doing that. Just want to throw that in there as an extra, like a little, an aside. Don't be spitting on the ground making clay trying to do, listen, use some water. Amen, somebody, right? This is Jesus saliva. This is holy saliva. I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm not kidding. I mean, seriously, like, I don't see anyone else. Like, I just think about this for a moment. You know, you see, like, Peter, he's going to pray for Dorcas in the book of Acts. You remember that story, right? Dorcas dies, and Peter does what? He does what Jesus does. He goes into the room. He prays. You know, the woman is, is, is resurrected. You don't ever see an apostle after Jesus say, you know what? I'm going to spit on the ground. Make some saliva, you know, make some mud here, and I'm anoint someone's eyes. We don't see that happen. So I'm just saying just don't do that, okay? Let's just not do that. Let's just move forward. Amen? Okay. So no spitting on the ground, making clay with your saliva. But then Jesus anoints the guy's eyes, the blind, and look what he does. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is called scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, can I tell you something? One of the greatest issues that we face today, especially among Christians, is access to an overwhelming amount of biblical knowledge that is not met with the willingness to simply obey the truth. Hear what I just said. One of the greatest issues that we face in our day is that Jesus is communicating. People ask all the time, does God still speak? Yes, God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? And I'm, not, and I'm not asking you, are you listening like, you know, casually? Yeah, let me see if that is the Lord because, you know, we're so spiritual and stuff like that. You know, I had, a fu I had a funny conversation with my sister Evelyn yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, prophetic things. And, and I loved it. She was sitting and she was like, I believe in the prophetic. She's like, but. And I like the but. I was like, sister, I'm with you 100%. I believe that God still speaks. He speaks through people. But here's the thing. This is the deal. This is what we need to get, is that God is speaking all the time to our lives. God is communicating to us all the time. The question is, are we obeying? You see, because it, what, what, to what value is it that God speaks to us if we're not going to obey what he says? So what value is it if God, he, he reveals himself, he reveals his will, he reveals his heart, he speaks all of these things to us and, and we don't obey. You know what? Then we never see the fruit that God wants for us to see because of what? Because we choose to disobey rather than obey. Hello. 
See, one of the things I remember in, in, in one of my mentoring sessions with Dan Holland, he was saying to me, and I wrote it down, and I, I, I've quoted it before, and I'll quote it again because it's a good quote. And here's the thing. Most of the time, our issue is not a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of application of knowledge. See, I, I use the example of marriage. Many people, they, they, you know, many people have issues in their marriage, and they're like, well, I need to read the next new book on marriage or hear the next great teaching on marriage. No, you don't. There's, there's simple teaching in the Scripture. If you would just apply it, hello? The same stuff goes with parenting. The same, I mean, you go down the list. Oh, you know, finances. Hey, praise God, we're going to go through Financial Peace University. I sent you all the email, right? I said, I need, to be re I need to be realigned because many of us just fell off of alignment. But can I tell you something? I promise you, I'm not going to hear anything that I haven't heard before. But you know what I need? I need to be reminded. Hello. I need to be reminded of the truth because if I don't obey the truth of Scripture, if I don't obey what God is communicating, then I don't see the fruit that God wants me to see for my life. And so for many of us, many times, the issue is what? It's that we are not obeying the truth of what God is communicating. But this blind man, he hears Jesus, he tells him, and, and you know, and this is the funny thing, is that he doesn't even seem to know fully who Jesus is or anything like that because when they ask him who did this, he's like, a man named Jesus? It wasn't like he said, and we're going to see how he progressively grows in the revelation of who Jesus is. But the truth is, he simply obeyed, and because he obeyed, he saw what? He saw the fruit, and he saw what God wanted him to see. So what I'm saying to you, church, is that what we need to do as an application is we need to make a commitment not to just hear God's word. There's something that I may not even communicate, and I'll say this now, but when we, when we take notes and stuff like that, here's, the, here's another important thing. How are There's a question that I ask you. It's a long question. I'm going to fix the question in the next outline or whatever and make it real simple. How are you going to apply this truth? Hello. How are you going to apply the truth? I want you to think about that today. When you leave this place today, you may hear one thing that you know that God is speaking to your life. How are you going to live that truth is my question to you. It should be the question that is, that is crystal clear, that is resonating in your heart. How am I going to obey the truth? Am I going to sit down and hear however long the message is, and then I'm going to walk away and I'll be like, all right, let's go eat some lunch. Am I going to say, God, how am I going to live the truth of the scriptures? How am I going to live out the truth of God's word? Because if we're not asking God to help us, that's why I pray that for you every week before I preach. Asking God to help us to obey the scripture, we will never see the fruit that God wants us to see in our lives. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus' cure for our blind spots may cause controversy. Jesus' cure for our blind spots may cause controversy. Let's read verses 13 to 34, and then we'll look at what they're, what they're saying. We'll talk about it. But it says here, it says, They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. When, then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they, asked, and they asked them saying, is this your son who, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, Now we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees we do not know, or who opened his eyes we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. 
His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again asked the man who was blind and said to him, give God glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did, you do, what, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They're like, they, they, couldn't, they just couldn't believe that Jesus had opened his eyes like so amazingly, right? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has, been un, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins, and are, and, and, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus' cure for our blind spots may cause controversy. Are you hearing me? See, this guy, he didn't know much. All he knew was this. He was blind one minute. He was seeing the next. He didn't know anything else, but this guy by the name of Jesus, he did it. He told me, hey, go wash. I went and washed. Now I see. He was completely and 100% devoted. Now, 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 I want you to think about this. This guy may not have known the whole Torah. He may not have known the whole law. He was an outcast in his society because what? Because he was blind. And so, again, based on the, on the mindset that the, um, that, the, um, that the disciples communicated who sinned, was it him or his parents? There was something wrong with him. This guy was rejected, you know, in, in his culture. You know, they brought him out at a certain time. They brought the beggars out, you know, at a certain time so that way they could beg for money and things like that. So the ultimate, the, the the reality is that this guy may not have known much, but he knew one thing, and he was committed to that. This guy told me something, I did it, and now I see. He communicated something to me. And here's what I want you to get. You hear how simple that is? That's how simple following Christ is. I know we try to complicate stuff, but God says it, we obey it, and we'll see his will worked out in our lives. Does that mean that everything is going to be perfect? Somebody say no. Does that mean that everything is going to be easy? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we're never going to have another trial? We're never going to have another hardship? That is not what that means. What it means is that if we will simply hear what God is saying and obey what God is saying, then we're going to see what God wants us to see and experience what he wants us to experience. Here's the deal. Wholehearted devotion to Jesus is rarely understood or accepted in our days. Let me say that again. Wholehearted devotion to Jesus is rarely understood or accepted in our days. Whenever you are holy, completely, I'm sold out to God, you'll be labeled a radical, you might be labeled a Bible thumper, you might be labeled a holy roller, you might be labeled a bigot, you might be labeled a hater, and many other things for real devotion to your faith. Are you hearing me? When you decide, see, just like this guy, I mean, he was there, and he was like, look, man, I know that I see, and that's all that I know. And the reason why he was like that was because he had a genuine experience and genuine encounter with God. He didn't know everything, but he knew one thing, and he was sticking to that. And that is what we need to do, church. We need to stick to the truth that God has entrusted us with. We need to be able to be bold and stand firm. You see, one of the things that is sad is that rather than celebrate the healing of this man, the Pharisees did everything they could do to discredit Jesus in the testimony that was given 
given by this man. Even sadder is that his parents lack the support. Are you here? Parents, support your kids, amen? Don't leave them out there and be like, yo, let them answer. Lo, help them out. Hello, somebody. This guy, he's there. His parents are like, yeah, that's our son. He was born blind, but he's of age. Ask him. They're more concerned with what? They're more concerned with their status. They're more concerned with that. But here's the thing, that no matter what, we must be ready to stand for truth even when we are left alone. Are you here? In our days, I want you to know it's okay to be left alone. It's okay for you to have to stand by yourself. It's okay for you to have to be the only one who believes the truth of what the Scripture said. It's not okay to believe whatever you want, but it is okay to believe what the Word of God teaches and stand firm upon it. Let me say this, because when I look at this story, the one thing that I realize is that God does not operate inside of our traditional boxes. Hello. You see, this story, the problem was these guys were like, man, this guy, you know, he healed on the Sabbath day, can't be of God. He did it, you know, they asked like three or four times. They're like, man, how did he do it? They didn't want to hear it. But here's the thing that we need to get is that God doesn't have to operate inside of our traditional box. You want to know what God has to do? He has to operate within the confines of his word. Are you here? He doesn't have to operate the way that we want him to operate. Look, here at Faith Elmo Fellowship, typically the way that it rolls is we do four songs, right? We do two songs that are faster. We open up. We pause for a moment, love on each other. You know, we embrace each other. Then we do communion. And then we enter into our time of, you know, slower worship. And we, you know, begin to go after God. And can I tell you something? If God moves in there, he's going to move in there. But can I tell you this? God does not have to move within four songs. Are you here? He can move outside of four songs. He can move in a different way. He can do what he he can do what he wants to do. As long as what? As long as his word is not dishonored, as long as his character is not violated, then you know what we should be doing? We should be rejoicing. Hello. Because you know, there's other places they don't do it like this. I have a guy that I, you know, I I, I met him a, a few a few months back. He's a He's a drummer. He's also a, a PA student. He, and, and, um, and he is, when I, every time that I talk to this guy, I mean, we just have some amazing conversations because he understands, you know, what it is for, you know, for, for, to be a musician that has traveled all over the place, traveled with many different bands. I mean, I mean this guy is extremely talented and just his heart for God. He's like, man, I don't care about anything else. All I want to do is see God move. That is his heart. He's like, I just want to see God move. I just want to see the manifestation of God. And I can tell you from having a conversation with him, his church service, they're totally different. He said, look, man. He said, our church service, he, this is his exact words to me. He's like, our church service is way different, you know, than a lot of places. He's like, you know, there's some extremes that are really, you know, they're, they're like, everything has to be completely structured. And then there's other places where it's like just free for all. He's like, we're just free for all. He said, you walk into church. He said, there's no, there's no agenda. He's like, we just start singing and whatever happens, happens. Hello. Listen, I don't have any issue with that. That's not my tradition. There's a different tradition there, but can I tell you something? When God moves miraculously, when God speaks to people's lives, you know what I should do? As long as it aligns with the scriptures, I should rejoice. I should praise God. I shouldn't try to nitpick everything and say, oh, well, you know, you guys should start on time, you know, because according to church planters 101, I mean, come on, man, who, the, who on earth, right? Like, well, you know, you have to have a structured time. That's where people have to go home. Well, hey, man, if you got to go home, go home. We're seeking Jesus. That's what we want to do, right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, when you look at things like that, we get offended. There's guys. I can't stand them. I'm going to let you know right now. And I listen to some of them because they have some good stuff to say because here's the thing. Even though I can't stand them, I am not an idiot either. I know that there is some truth inside of what they do say. They're called heresy hunters. I can't stand them. You know why? Because they nitpick every single thing. If they hear one of my sermons, they're going to just tear it apart. Bishop is totally unright. Hello. They're going to they're gonna pick it out. They're going to show, well, he said this wrong or she said that wrong. And listen, I hate that stuff because we can't rejoice with what God is doing in the earth. God wants to do something. And you know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy wants to continue to divide us over what? Stuff that doesn't matter. 
Stuff that doesn't matter. I heard a guy that is a very conservative. I mean, 100% conservative. I mean, this guy, you know, he doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And he's, but you know what? I heard him talking the other day. I just, I, I don't listen a lot to Christian radio. I try to a little bit more because, you know, there's some good guys that I really like to hear some things. But he was communicating. He was saying, man, he said, you know, why, why are we talking about stuff that does not matter? Why are we talking about things that are not primary? Why, why are we talking about stuff like that? Because all it is doing is driving wedges between the body of Christ and not allowing us to celebrate what God is doing. Are you hearing me? These are guys that they don't speak in tongues. Hello. They don't lift their hands in worship. But his whole point was, he said, listen, for the person who lifts their hands in worship, he said, and the person who won't lift their hands in worship, you're both free to do it however you want to do it or not do it. Hello. We shouldn't judge one another. Amen. We should have the heart of God and say, man, you know, God, we just want to rejoice. We know what the word of God says, and we want to measure everything by the scriptures. But we need to be true to say, God, I, I, you're not always going to move according to my tradition and according to my way. But can I rejoice that you're moving the way that you want to move? That's what our heart has to be for the church. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, as Jesus illuminates our lives, our confession of him is strengthened. As Jesus illuminates our lives, our confession of him is strengthened. Let's read the last, the last few verses here in chapter 9. Look at verse 35. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be, may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But, you, but now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Sobering words to these Pharisees. See, the thing here is that Jesus came into this guy's life. He was completely blind, 100%. He comes into his life. He puts this saliva and this mud on his eyes. The guy goes and washes. His eyes are open. He knows that a man named Jesus spoke to him. He goes on. He's like, man, I don't know if he's a sinner. I think he's a prophet. So he was recognizing that there was something great in this guy's life. As he continues on this conversation with the Pharisees, he communicates and he's like, man, I don't know, but we know this, that if someone is, is, is a sinner, God doesn't hear them, but only those that worship God and obey, those are the ones that God hears. So he's getting progressive. His revelation of who Jesus is becomes more and more certain that this guy has to be someone special. And here's what I want you to realize. It's the same thing for our life. We don't come to Jesus knowing everything. We usually know like one thing, and that's like we need him. Hello. That's the thing that we know. That's the thing that I knew when I came to Jesus the night that I gave my life to the Lord. I knew. I didn't know every single thing. As a matter of fact, can I tell you something? And I, and I say this with all sincerity. There were some things that my mom said to me, you know, like that, that she was communicating to me, and she was communicating her best to me. And can I tell you something? She missed a lot of stuff. She wasn't theologically correct, but can I tell you today, 20 years later, I'm still here. Hello. 
It's because Jesus will use us, man, if we are just available to be used, right? And so she, you know, she may have not communicated everything that was perfect, and I didn't have all, but I knew one thing. I knew that I needed this Savior in my life. I knew that I needed him. And so what happens is this guy in one day, in the matter, I mean, it looks like to me, if I'm reading this story right, it looks like it may have been a couple of hours' time. He went from knowing he was a man called Jesus to coming and saying, Lord, I believe you're the Son of God. Are you here? He came progressively in understanding who Jesus was. And what happens is, as that happens to us, as we maintain in, in what we know and God continues to reveal himself, what happens is our confession becomes more and more strong. But see, what we have here is we have two things, and it's important that we see our reality, right? We shouldn't just be stubborn. Like, this guy wasn't being stubborn. He was simply saying, this is all I know, right? This is the truth that I have. But here's the thing. We need to know the truth of Scripture and stand upon it, because in in this story, we have two people. Jesus says, for, uh, for judgment I came into the world. And it almost sounds like a contradiction because he says earlier in John that he didn't come to judge, right? And he's not talking about coming because he wants to judge. Like, I came to judge. He is communicating and saying, man, I came to do what? I came to open the eyes of the blind. And for those that, are, that, that, that think they see and that are unwilling to recognize who I am, I'm going to blind them. It's going to happen. Because they refuse to see me for who I am. So he doesn't come because he wants to be mean. He wants to be harsh. It's that these people are so hard in their hearts toward him. These people have decided you can't be the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to open the eyes of those who will recognize what is. See, I said it earlier. I said, man, if I had to choose, I would, I would, I would rather be, you know, 100% blind than just be partially blind. Because partially blind person thinks that they see enough. A person who's completely blind recognizes they're completely blind. See, the issue here is that you have one person. He was completely, these are the two groups that you see. You have one person completely blind. Can I tell you something? We are all born completely blind. Hello. We're blind to our sin. We're blind to our need for Jesus. And what, God, and, and what God does is he shows us that we need him. He opens our eyes. But see, what can happen to us is we can become like this other group of people. See, this other group of people, they were not completely blind in their own eyes, right? And the Pharisees, we see an example of those who refused the illumination Jesus offered them and were actually being blinded by their own knowledge, it's so much knowledge. They, they knew the Torah. They knew all the signs from Messiah, and yet they continued to reject him as the Messiah. See, two groups of people that we have, right? We have, and this is in, in our days today, we have those people that are so smart, they're actually dumb. Are you here? I'm not saying you, like the smart, that's dumb. I'm not saying that. I'm saying... There are those people that they are so smart, so intelligent. You have conversations with them. And, man, they will talk you in circles with all of their intelligence. Can I tell you something? They are just blinding themselves more and more because they continue to reject Jesus. And you and I need to be praying for them that God would open their eyes and show them those blind spots. Show them those areas where they need to come to repentance. And then you have the other people that, you know what, at, at some point, because I say it like this, I came to a point in my life where I recognized that I was needy of Jesus. But I can tell you something, I was living a whole long time that I didn't recognize that. I was living a whole long time that I thought that I was okay, that I thought that I was all right. I didn't think that I needed Jesus. I didn't go to church. I definitely didn't need to go to church. I didn't do a lot of stuff. And listen, it isn't that church saves you because that's not it. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But I didn't even want that. I thought that I was okay. And the beauty of it is that God's grace came and he opened my eyes to show me, hey, man, I'm here. See, just as we see this man grow from confession like I talked about earlier, so God wants to keep us growing in our confidence and our faith in who he is. 
He wants to continue to build us. And so the thing is, don't become, you know, overly puffy in your head thinking that you got all this knowledge. Hello? Don't become overwhelmed with how much you've learned or how much you think you've grown or whatever. Continue to grow more humble before your God. Continue to allow God to illuminate your heart and show you where the areas of your life that, that, that you have these blind spots. And so my question for you is this. Where are your blind spots? Because I want to let you know nobody gets off the hook today. Nobody get, and, and it's not because, you know, I have the magic wand or something like that. But the reality is everybody sitting in this room, we all have blind spots. Some of our blind spots are our children. I mean, I'm just saying, you know how it is. You know, some people, they think their kids could never do wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just sit there for a moment, right? A lot of blind spots. People are like, oh, 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 I don't, don't talk to me about that. Some of us, we, I mean, we have blind spots in our marriages. I mean, we just, there's just areas that we're blinded in. Some of us have blind spots. I mean, coming, you know, in, in, in marriage, your blind spot is not your marriage. Some, some of us have blind spots with our extended family. Some of us have blind spots when it comes to our finance. I mean, we have blind spots in different areas. I mean, the question is, where are your blind spots? Where are they? Where, where are they? And the second question is, have you allowed Jesus to address them? Hello. Have you really said, okay, God, I recognize that I have some blind spots. I recognize that there's some areas here in my life that I'm just, man, I'm blinded in, man. There's, there's just certain things, my, my, my traditions, my, you know, whatever it may be. I have these areas that are blind spots in my life. See, I gave you the example of Rocky, and the reason why Rocky was blinded, right, in this one eye is because what? It's because the constant pounding and beating that he took during that fight, right? Well, here's the thing. For some of us, our blind spots are the cause of other people. Some of us, we've been hurt so much, we've been offended so much. Things have happened in our lives that we have, you know, we, we, we've grown like this callous, like we don't even want to deal with those areas of our lives. But here's the deal. We have to allow God to deal with these blind spots in our lives. Let me tell you something that really challenged me. If we allow the blind spots in our lives to go unaddressed, we will suffer unnecessary losses and cause unnecessary damage to others. Are you hearing me? If we allow the blind spots in our lives to go unaddressed, we will suffer unnecessary losses. Listen, we will lose things in this life. That is a guarantee. No matter how good of a person you are, no matter how faithful of a Christian you are, no matter any of that stuff, the reality is if we allow these blind spots to go unaddressed, we experience suffering and, and loss that we don't have to experience. But can I tell you something that's even worse? Is that other people around you suffer because you're unwilling to deal with your blind spots. It's kind of like driving a car down the road. I mean, I don't know about anybody else in, the, in this place, but there is, you know, everybody's car, again, no one gets a pass. Everybody's car, they have, there's a place called blind spots, right? You can look at all the mirrors in the world. You can adjust the mirrors all you want, and the reality is you still have a blind spot. You know what you have to do? You need to turn your head. Hello, somebody, right? And I, and I don't know, I mean, I, I, I've gotten a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot better at this and making sure I turn and look. But I will tell you something, it still happens every once in a while that I'm driving down the road and, and I don't look over. I think oh, the road's clear and then all of a sudden I go over and I go, man, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I don't know why, but I, I like act like I didn't mean to do that. Like I just pull back in my lane and be like, oh, I'm good. You know, let them pass me by. Act like I didn't mean to miss my eggs and be like, yo, whatever. I didn't mean to do that. That was, that, that was my bad. I was, you know, doing, <laughs> right? So... But ultimately, we all have blind spots, right, in our, in our vehicles. And if we don't check those blind spots when we're trying to change lanes, we can cause fatalities. Well, how about real life? How about, and I mean, that is real life, but how about my life personally? 
Not when I'm in my vehicle. How about those blind spots when I'm dealing with my family? How about those blind spots when I'm dealing with, you know, neighbors, when I'm dealing with friends, when I'm, when I'm dealing with other church members? Hello, somebody. I'm causing them harm. I'm causing them because of what? Because I simply don't want to deal with these things. You see, and here's the deal. There are many things that we may see come, that, that we may not see coming and, and we're going to experience because there's two things here. One of them is you, you know, going off and, you know, um, getting into an accident because of a blind spot. There's another thing called being blindsided. Hello. Right, that, that's when you're driving and it's, you know, no fault of your own. And all of a sudden someone runs a red light or something. I'm just saying they do something crazy or, you know, and, and you are blindsided, right? That's a different thing. But you shouldn't be the cause. You shouldn't be blindsiding people. Hello. Just saying. I close with this. Jesus died for every blind spot that we have. Amen. And it is only by the grace of God that we can trust Jesus with those areas that we are blind to and many times don't want to address. See, the deal is this. A lot of us, we become so accustomed. We become so accustomed to those blind spots. You know, we become so used to living with them and so used to working around them and everyone else walks on eggshells around our blind spots. Hello. And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't want people to have to walk on eggshells around you. God doesn't want you to have to walk around being discouraged, being depressed, being whatever it is. God wants you to allow him to deal with those blind spots, but it's only by his grace. Amen? Stand to your feet and let's pray together. I don't know where it is. I just ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I don't know where it is that you are struggling. I don't know where it is that you have blind spots. I don't know what it is, but I just know that God's grace is sufficient. I know that God is able to deliver us. I know that Jesus died so that way we don't have to be bound by our sin. We don't have to be bound by those blind spots. We don't have to be subject to those things, but that we can be subject to him and his grace. And so I just ask you right there with your head bowed, I just ask you to really consider before God, God, these are my blind spots. And just think about those, whatever they are, whatever area it is that, you know, you continue to be hit from, whatever it is that you continue to experience, that heartache, that, that area that you don't want anyone to know about, those things, and, 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 and just begin to confess those before God right now. And I, I want to pray a general prayer for us. Father, we come to you today. And Lord God, we recognize, dear Lord, that all of us have blind spots in our lives, Lord God. There are areas, Lord Jesus. It can be with our children, Lord God. It can be with our finances, Jesus. Heavenly Father, it can be with those that we love. It can be in our marriages. Heavenly Father, it can be in our work scenarios, Lord Jesus. It can be just the different idols that we have in our lives. But Father, today, I just really pray for each and every person that is in here, God. I pray that you would help us to recognize those areas that are blind spots in our lives. That you would help us to recognize those areas, Lord Jesus. Jesus, that we are unprotected, Lord God, because we are unwilling to submit to you. But today, Lord, I pray that your grace would grip our hearts, Lord God. I pray that we would submit those blind spots under you, and I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord God, as we pursue and as we walk with you, my God. I pray against every lie of the enemy, Lord God. I pray against those things that would hinder my brothers and sisters from truly confessing and surrendering these blind spots unto you, Lord God. I pray for your kingdom to come in our lives and for your will to be done in all areas, Lord God. I pray this believing and I thank you in Jesus' good name. Someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.